Hey, and welcome to the Red Shoe Realty Podcast. I'm Stacey Sappington. I'm the broker owner of Red Shoe Realty, and this brokerage and this podcast were created for the agent to give them the tools that they need to succeed in this business. And this is episode three, and I am delighted to talk with my friend, LeVar Harden. LeVar, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I, um, I invited LeVar to talk with me today to talk about a topic that I'm sure everyone has heard about and interested in, but not really sure how to get into it. And that is investing in real estate. LeVar, you are killing it. I'm so proud of you. I love watching your journey. You've done really well. Um, you know, it's, it's a tricky thing and there's a lot of moving parts to it. And it's something that everyone is interested in. And as a self-employed person, we don't have a 401k. And so this is a really good opportunity for us to have an investment that can support us in our retirement years. And so I appreciate you being willing to share this with us. And can you just tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how, what your approach is? Yeah, so a little bit about myself. So I've been licensed since 2006. I initially got licensed back home in Chicago. And I started um, investing in real estate in 2009. So when I got licensed, I was 23. So I was still living at home and I was making fairly decent amount of money. Um, I primarily sold condos in the downtown Chicago market. So even at that time, you're looking at, you know, $800,000, $900,000 condos. And I was probably at the closing table three to four times a, a month. Um, nice. well, in 2008, things changed. Um, I was paying down all of my student loans and got that paid off relatively quickly. But 2008, as the uh, economic shift took place, we were nose deep in a recession. And with that comes uh, you know, a lot of unknown a lot of disappointment, but there's opportunity as well. And considering most of my business at the time was working with investors. Mm -hmm. Now, these investors were a little bit different. They were speculative investors. So they only banked on appreciation. So because of that, all I knew was about appreciation. I was learning how to invest in real estate um, through working with these investors. And it was the worst way ever to invest in real estate. <laughs> um, if you're working in, in it or thinking about investing in real estate and only looking at appreciation rate or the history of a given area and its appreciation rate, you're dead wrong. Um, so what happened overnight, these guys lost, you know, 40, 50, 60% of the equity that they gained um, just overnight, just gone. And in some cases, if someone just recently purchased a property, then, you know, now they're completely upside down. Mm -hmm. So instead of just losing the equity that you gained over time, you know, the valuation of a condo could have gone from $800,000 to now being valued at $300,000. Um, so that is, yeah, that's tough. Um, and in, in some cases, you had people that were buying two or three units um, you know, right next to each other and demoing the walls and making one massive unit 
Um, and just thinking about the amount of money they lost just gives me nightmares. Ugh. So, so uh, 2009, I was just holding on to, to the cash that I had and I started going to auctions. So I was purchasing properties in the suburbs um, for $15,000, $20,000. And I'd probably put another fifteen dollars or $20,000 into them. Now, at this point, I had no idea what leverage was or using other people's capital to acquire assets. I just knew that, you know, cash is king. I've always heard that cash is king. So if I had 40 grand, I'd purchase something for 15, put another 15 or 20 into it. And, you know, all in, I'm $40,000 in um, at the max. And I know that the, let's say the market value was 100,000. Well, once upon a time, it was 200. But if it was a hundred thousand, then I'd put it on the market for like eighty thousand, you know, and the buyer would have twenty percent equity, and no one was doing that. So I'd put it on the market, a completely rehabbed home, um, instead of putting it on the market at the top of the market rate, mm-hmm. you know, giving them a little bit of equity, and the home started selling quickly. So I was just doing it over and over and over and over, and you know, maybe a year into it. You had a lot of buyers coming from other markets that were spending tons of money and they were buying, you know, blocks at a time, so to speak. And I couldn't compete with that by any means. Yeah. Yeah. So I wound up moving here to Houston in 2014, worked a corporate role for a while, and I really started to miss real estate again. So I got my real estate license and, you know, made an attempt to hit the ground running and in doing so, I said, you know what? Um, I have some capital again. Let me get into investing here in the Houston market since this is the market that I'm actively in. Mm-hmm. However, my, uh, my palette just completely changed. My world opened up. Um, I've just learned so much more over those years in which you know, I found a way to invest much smarter, right? Leveraging Uh, other people's capital to acquire assets, to repair, update homes. Um, And, you know, I've been flipping homes here for the past four years now. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, um, I've seen at least one of your flips. I showed it in Newport and you do an outstanding job. Like you walk into some houses and you can tell that someone's brother's uncle's cousin did the flooring and, like people just are trying to invest and they're trying to save money, but you are doing it the right way and, and rehabbing these beautiful homes. Thank you. It's, you know, this, I, I remember, I got my license in 2010 and I remember that you could buy a home back then in the Houston area for $80,000 and they were everywhere. And now there's nothing out there, at least not a lot, you know? So how are you acquiring properties? So believe it or not, um, most of my properties have come from the MLS over the past couple of years. Hmm. Well, that has changed this year. Um, A lot of the investment properties have come directly through um, other real estate agents uh, and wholesalers. And, you know, at, at one point when I was focusing on the MLS, I'm seeing deals every day and I'm just throwing offers out there. Um, I tell people the same thing. Focus on your numbers. Don't worry about what the asking price is. Don't make an arbitrary offer just throwing a random number out there. Mm -hmm. Know what your budget is. Know what your budget is to repair the property. Understand what the after repair value is and make an offer. 
Um, once you understand what your maximum allowable offer is, you make that offer and go from there. If they accept it, they accept it. If they don't, they don't move on to the next one. And typically what I'm seeing is, you know, you probably have to look at about a hundred homes and not physically go out there to see a hundred homes, but, you know, look at a hundred homes out of that hundred, maybe 50 could be deals in some way, shape or form. Um, of those 50, you probably will wind up running numbers on 25. Once you take a bigger, you know, a, a closer look of those 50, you'll probably run actual numbers on 25. From there, that 25 will probably dwindle down to maybe 10 that you make an offer on. Um, I'd say maybe 15, 10 to 15, you can make an offer on. And then at some point, perhaps your first, um, you have your first transaction under your belt, your first deal. From there, it gets a little bit easier. So your next one, you'll probably look at 50, you know, um, analyze 25 and they'll quickly um, say, uh, you know, these aren't deals, you know, as soon as you really dig into them a little bit further before you even yeah. really dig into the numbers. And from that 25, it'll probably be about 15 that you dig into the numbers on, maybe five or deals, you actually make an offer on all five of those. And then it just progressively gets to the point where people start sending you properties. Um, and that's where I am at this point. Cool. But it takes and, time. It takes a couple of deals. And that's a good point, you know, because I, I know for, for me personally, I've come across a couple of properties. I personally wasn't in a position to take them on. And so I've reached out to you. So for anybody else, you know, if you've got a property, um, then, you know, reach out to LeVar and see if he's interested in it. You know, another thing is that's tough is the financing piece as independent contractors, you know, we're 1099. So tell me about some of the ways that you're accomplishing financing. Right. So let me back up a little bit. One of the reasons that it's important for real estate agents to start investing in real estate is because you're already building the relationships with these homeowners, with these sellers. Um, and because you're an agent, they probably trust you a little bit more than they trust a wholesaler or, you know, uh, we buy, um, you know, ugly home sign, right? Mm -hmm. Trust is probably already there. And even if you're an agent that doesn't invest in real estate, perhaps you come across deals or properties that are uh, distressed or homeowners that are distressed. If that's in your network and that's who you market to heavily, then why not send these deals to another agent, you know, or other investors? Make that part of your business plan. Um, and that, just going on a little bit further, so there's a couple different strategies that I always recommend novice investors to start with, right? So it just depends on what you have an appetite for. So if you want to get into a property and let, let's say it's currently livable, right, there's no issues with the home, then you can do a turnkey investment. Turnkey is essentially just the most simple and the easiest form of real estate investing. The property is move-in ready, or it currently has a tenant in there. If it currently has a tenant in there, you know, you just want to find out if the tenant plans on renewing or when their tenancy uh, expires. In that case, if, you know, if it comes up, where the expiration is, you know, 30 days after closing or just sometime very quickly, at least you'll have one month in which the tenant is paying your mortgage. And mm -hmm. then when you think about the financing, 
um, those properties might be a little bit easier to finance. Um, even though we are 1099, you may be able to qualify for just traditional conventional means of financing, right? One of your uh, preferred lenders, reach out to them, go through the application process. Because this is turnkey, it's probably, again, move-in ready. Um, one other way to do a turnkey investment is even something that's uh, FHA, right? So your FHA loan, you could do three and a half percent down and you would have to live in the property, but you could house hack. So let's say you're a single person and there's a four bedroom home that's move-in ready, no issues. And maybe you can rent out the other rooms on Airbnb. A lot of people are under the notion that Airbnb exclusively rents whole apartments or entire homes. Well, they do shared rooms as well. Um, so you have investors that are looking at that method. So why not, as an agent, look at that method? Right. That's traditionally known as house hacking, but it's still a turnkey investment. You're not putting anything into it to update it, make any repairs, right. none of that, right? Because it's move-in ready. Um, you can qualify for FHA loan. So you're you're taking two types of investment strategies and rolling it into one, and that's turnkey and house hacking. The next is uh, is fix and flip, and that's essentially where I live. That's my bread and butter. Now, with the fix and flip, you don't want to use 100% of your own financing, and the reason you don't want to do that is because you always want your financing strategy to match your exit strategy. What that means is if it's going to be a fix and flip, it means it's a short-term um, exit strategy. So you want short-term financing. Traditionally, most people will use either a hard money loan mm -hmm. or a private investor. A hard money loan is a high interest, okay, high interest, interest-only payments, short-term loan. Short-term as in six months, nine months, 12 months however long it takes for that property to get up to market value and you know to sit on the market and be sold. Um, when you're running numbers, you have a maximum allowable offer. Your MAL is based on the ARV or the after repair value. As an agent, you have to be real with yourself. You know, you run the numbers, you look at a home that's comparable or multiple homes in the area that are comparable that have been updated. You don't want to exceed the type of updates um, for that given market area. So let's say the area, everyone is doing um, laminate flooring, okay? There's no reason for you to put in hardwood floors. Right. It costs less. The homes in the area that have sold have laminate, okay? There's no reason for you to do crown molding and, you know, four-inch baseboards if right. the homes don't have that. If the uh, homes don't have marble, they have granite. Uh, I'm sorry, they, they don't have quartz, they have granite. Go the granite route instead of the quartz route. Um, that kind of minimizes your, your costs and it opens your margin up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Well, your maximum allowable offer is based on uh, after repair value minus the repairs. You need to have a 30% margin. So just using easy, easy math, what I'm saying is, if we know that the home's value is $100,000 for the market, okay? And let's say we know that it needs $20,000. So you are at 80 grand, okay? 
So you have to think about the acquisition cost. So if they want to sell it for 40,000, okay, and you need 20, then that's $60,000. You're at a 40% margin instead of a 30% margin. Um, what I'm essentially saying is your maximum allowable offer is actually $50,000 because then it puts mm -hmm. you at a 30% spread. So if they only want 40 and the house needs 20, then that's a slam dunk all day. Right. Okay. Um, there's pretty much any hard money lender would lend on that. They mm -hmm. do typically want to see that you have some type of cash reserves. What that means is you have the cash for your closing costs and that you have the cash to pay them on a monthly basis and to get the, the funds, um, get the flip started, okay? Um, typically, the repairs are paid for in draws. What that means is, again, if it's $20,000, you work out with your, 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 uh, your rehab or your general contractor, you say, hey, GC, how long does this property or how long will it take to get this property up to market? If they say four weeks, the way that I do it is we'll draw up a contract that says four weeks. I pay them $5,000 a week. I pay $5,000 to get started. I list out the work that should be done within that week. Okay, once that work is done, I'll reach out to my hard money lender and then they'll send out an inspector to make sure that work is done. Yeah. And they send me my $5,000 back. So I'm just essentially using the same $5,000 multiple times. Okay. You know, the, the, the entire four weeks. Um, put it back on the market. In some cases, I'll go, it depends on the market. So whether I'm pricing a home that I'm flipping or I'm pricing a home for the seller, I always look at the um, absorption rate, okay? When I'm looking at the absorption rate, I wanna see how many new homes are hitting the market per month. And of those new homes that are hitting the market, how many are being sold per month, okay? When I understand what my competition looks like, I can price accordingly. Mm -hmm. If there's limited supply on the market, you can probably price it for five to 10% over where the true market value is. Um, and you know, if you have a lot of competition, then you need to probably price it five to 10% under the market value or right at the market value. So it just depends on what your market tells you. A lot of agents don't look at data in that way. Cool. That is, it's a, that's a lot of information, even just in a short conversation, you know, cause there's just so many moving parts and you know, uh, something that occurred to me this morning is for an agent who is considering getting into this and investing in real estate for themselves, um, I think it would be wonderful for an agent to work with you, have you as their realtor for the education piece to learn all of this because it's so much and you're doing it, you've been doing it and you're successful at it. So if another agent wanted to work with you on their first investment deal, um, would that be okay? And also how would they get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be open to that. Um, my email is lavar at harden, H-A-R-D-E-N-R-E-G dot com. So it's Lavar L-A-B-A-R, at Harden, 
R-E-G.com. So Hardin Real Estate Group, essentially. Um, the best way to reach me is my cell. It's 832-429-8393. Awesome. I'll put both of those in the comments so that anyone can reach out to you. And again, thank you so much for having the heart to share with us. And I really appreciate you. You're a, you're a wonderful human and I'm grateful to you. I appreciate that so much, Stacey. I'm always um, here to help people. Anything that I know, any knowledge that I have, um, I, I just love to share it. I really appreciate that. And that's the culture that I'm building at Red Shoe is a community where we do come together and share because there's more than enough business to go around. And, uh, and I, I love that you're willing to share. So thank oh, yeah. you for that. And agents, if you want to get into real estate investing, reach out to LeVar, do your first deal with him. It's going to be well worth that investment. And if you have any properties that you're getting ready to list, that would be a good flip, then reach out to, to LeVar. He's always looking for his next investment. So thank you again, LeVar. And thank you to everyone for tuning in and we'll see you next time.